0: On today's episode of New Balance's podcast, it's a little bit different. I have somebody in the studio recording with me, asking me questions about what life was like in the seminary, and then what it was like to transition uh, out of the seminary. He talks a little bit about his faith background and his uh, journey and uh, some experiences with uh things in the spiritual realm. The episode will be in two parts, um, all in one episode. So if you, the second part will be about um, how he and I interacted and met uh, through a podcast that we both listened to called The Kirk Minahan Show on Barstool Sports. So if you want to uh, avoid anything from bar stool or if you want to listen to that that is part of the episode and starts around the 53 minutes and 24 seconds mark so enjoy the podcast <laughs>
1: a priest with or what did you say the guy so i was studying guy, the guy that i was studying
0: to be a priest with uh composed the intro yeah. and outro music
1: yeah who cares about that but the guy i was almost the guy i was studying to almost be a priest with is not something you hear a lot definitely not no and that's like the majority of why i'm sitting in this wonderful studio by the way <laughs> uh how does uh, how, how are we like, who like what are you that's what I'm, I want
0: to know. So I am Adam, and <laughs> I am Adam, uh, and I am a Catholic. Hi, Adam. Hey,
1: Jim. <laughs> I don't know. I didn't know you were. <laughs> <laughs> all
0: right. All right. All right. Um, so
1: who am I right no, now? No. All right. your first question: How does one become a priest? How does how do you how do you like jump in and be like that's what I'm gonna do? And please don't say
0: like a calling or whatever. So that's the answer. So when I was a senior in high school. I was what people would call a lapsed Catholic. I had made my confirmation two years previous and I didn't really wanna go to church or have anything to do with church. And my grandmother got sick with cancer. This was uh, 2004, going into 2005. And uh, it was April 2005, she was in hospice and I went to go and visit her and I was getting out of the elevator. I skipped school to do this. Uh, so a little bit of badass right there. Uh, and I got out of the elevator. The doors opened. And my mother was standing there talking to a priest. And I was like, oh, shit. This can't be good. My, my family doesn't talk to priests. <coughs> and um, my mom's like, why aren't you in school? I said, well, I want to come see Nana. She goes, OK. That's fine. You're grounded get him to school. Okay. And then the priest looked at me and said, if you don't become a priest, your mother's going to hell. And I was like, I don't think that's okay to say, first and foremost. My mother started laughing, and I was confused. Turns out, later on, I find out that they had gone to high school together, and they were catching up. So that was a fun introduction. That's where sort of like a, a mini seed was planted. So I okay, but even right there talking with a general, like,
1: it's almost like you can't expect them to make a joke. No, they're like they,
0: they transcend like normal human beings and become this. You don't think you're going to encounter a funny priest who's going to say something, catch you off guard and make you rethink all of your entire life. But that's fucked. Like how does that? But you have to remember they're human. I know. I know. <laughs> right. That's so. You don't think you're going to find somebody who's witty enough. With a, such a disarming comment, because you're not expecting someone to say, hey, if you don't become a priest, your mother's going to hell. And it just knocks you off your... So if, you get, a, if you get a truth serum right now, yeah.
1: from a percentage standpoint, how much of a percentage does that impact? That you? statement? Yes.
0: Did it actually happen? No no, 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 no. Oh, how much did that impact your decision? Uh, it didn't impact my decision to go to seminary, but it pushed you but it to... propelled me to look at the possibility of it. okay. So what um, further led me down that path was over the course of, I would say three or four months from that point, uh, one happening later on that day when I went to go and visit my nana, uh, she was not conscious, but I walked into uh, her hospice room and she was uh, laying in the bed. My papa was praying the rosary by her bedside, and um, she was receiving the sacrament to the sick. She was getting ready to go home uh, to God, and that was the first time that I had ever witnessed that. And there was something going on inside me emotionally um, that I, I couldn't couldn't feel or try to bring to words what was going on, but I knew something was happening, and I, I didn't know what. So. I started to like what is this I started going on to a deep dive to look at what these sacraments are why they're important and looking up the history behind it and the more that I did some research the more I was like this is pretty interesting just from a standpoint of being culturally Catholic or you know looking at what this actually is fast forward probably about a month and a half, I'm sitting in a church in Cranston, Rhode Island, uh, for my grandmother's memorial mass. Uh, It was Pentecost Sunday, 50 days after Easter for those uh, keeping track. And the priest that was there preaching the mass happened to be the assistant vocations director who was giving a spiel, like an appeal for people to think about being priests, and if anybody knew anybody who wanted to be a priest to put their name in a basket, and he would reach out to them. It was kind of like recruiting day for the seminary. And I was like, well, I've had people tell me that I'd make a good priest, I'm a good you put listener. your own name in there? No. Somebody brought me to him after I sort of put my own name in there. But that was what led me down that road. And then um, I went from that standpoint of trying to figure out if there's something I want, to try to see where am I going to fit in the best, because there's different kind of priests. There's priests who serve in a parish, and then there's religious order priests who live in a community and work towards a common mission. So you think of like things in our area, BC is run by the Jesuits. Right. You've got um, Dominicans who run PC. You've got... um, That's all like different factions. Those are all different religious orders. How do you become an exorcist priest? So you need a special, um, what they call, faculty given by uh, your bishop, and you get sent to Rome to go to a special school where you train and learn and sit through uh, these things. They only send, like, the cream of the crop to to do this. Like the CIA? Yeah. You don't know who they are. What do you mean? Like... The bishop's going to know who they are. Like, you and I, if we were to encounter an exorcist on the street, you'd have no idea who they are. Like, you'd know that they're a priest. You wouldn't know that they're the exorcist. Like, each diocese has an appointed priest who's the exorcist for the diocese. You watch some of those stories? I have watched a few of the movies, yes. Not even the
1: movies, just, like, the accounts. There's books on it. I've read the The book... For The Exorcist is based on an actual like account. It was a boy, mm-hmm. wild. I haven't read the book, but yes, yeah, it's wild. Well, okay. I like cultural Catholic.
0: Why do you like cultural Catholic?
1: Oh, I just like that you said that. Cause I recently talked myself into uh, believing, or like rebelieving, rebelieving the other way. So... It was a YouTube video. Agnostic. No? Well, probably. But it was a YouTube video about people on like, a, a Reddit compilation okay. that recorded it, you can listen to it, about playing with a Ouija board. Oh, yeah. And don't screw with those. No. And, you know, of course, it's Reddit, so someone can make it up, but, like, I don't think so. And I had a thought experiment in my head of saying, well... <laughs> what I play with one or if if I was at a party like I don't do that but if someone brought it out what would I do my answer was like leave yes immediately so and then the answer was why would you leave it's like well because that will invite the devil that's an invitation the bad spirit like you can't do that and then it hit me like well you can't believe in that and then not believe on the other side of the coin because if you're one of this staunch like no it's all baloney play with the Ouija board and nothing will happen and it was like no nah, i can't do that like I, I can't invite it right so you know that there are evil spirits which then like yeah, by then.
0: nature there has to be the other side right because you dark can matter and light matter there, there has, has to be right there's there's two sides to every coin and if you believe in one then you have to believe in the other and in believing in, in those things also dictates your behavior one way or the other right and then there's, there's another story which is wild. Okay. And then we'll get back
1: to the pre stuff. Uh, who's this guy? Some dude. I was on the Discovery Channel or whatever. He's like a, a ghost hunter. Okay. And have you ever seen
0: um, Gary Indiana? No. The uh, the portal to hell. Is this the thing in like Kazakhstan that's burning no. that methane? Indiana. Oh, in Indiana. In Indiana. Okay. and in this house. See, when you said Gary, Indiana, I thought you meant a guy whose name is Gary, Indiana. I wasn't thinking of a place, Gary, Indiana. <laughs> and Gary, Gary, Indiana is very close to like Chicago. And it is one
1: of the worst cities in America. Like uh, people have gotten lost and gone off the exit and the cop will be like, what are you doing here? Get out of here, I will escort you out of this. Like, don't stop through, don't, do, don't go through a stop sign, go through a like, red light, and you're going to get killed get out of here. Like, this is the place is not safe. So a low-income family, um, African-American family, which very much plays into it because no one believed them. When they were like, my kids are running up the walls and their eyes roll in the back of their head and they say scary things and, like, this house is haunted. They got into DCF, Department of Children and Family, like, they were believing them. Everyone really started to believe them when they were in the hospital and this kid, seven, eight years old, walked up, Oh, with two doctors present, a psychiatrist present, a nurse present, and a social worker worker present, walked up inverse, so like walked up the wall and did a flip and then started speaking in tongues that they'd never heard before. And then everyone really started to kind of believe this thing. It was on the national news, like... like See, I'd never heard of that story. The portal to hell. It is the craziest thing. So this dude, Zach, his name was Zach or something. I don't know. Whatever. He, uh, he's got a haunted house museum in Vegas and he bought the house on the spot for like $30,000 and then did a documentary on it. Okay. Two months ago, three, you know, COVID boredom, you know, ran out of things to watch. I watched the documentary. In the beginning, the dude says... This documentary is haunted. Do not watch the documentary. Great start. Great start. I watched the documentary.
0: Because you're crazy. Nuts.
1: I shouldn't have watched the documentary. It screwed with you. Yes. And then the funny thing—well, not so funny—is, it, and it's it's like one of those you, you gotta watch the document. No, don't watch the documentary. Don't watch the documentary. Because there's like things where the the the, the wall was bleeding. Um, oil. And then all of a sudden, one of the camera guys, you could see him get touched. He was holding a camera, that's important. You could see him get touched and act like all weird and then walk down to the stairs where they think some girl died or literally the portal to hell. Then they go back to the hotel and he's, like he took an acid trip or whatever the acid thing is, what do you call it? Hallucination? Yeah, because he's saying, I'm seeing it, it's in the elevator or like, He's losing his goddamn mind because he got touched there. They ended up having to move him off the project, obviously. Six months later, they show pictures of him where he's got 666 tattooed all over his body and he's a satanic person now because he saw the devil worship scene. Yeah. And it kind of ends. He like tore down the house. Oh, and then he spent a night there by himself and he, he's literally blind now. He has to wear like these special weird glasses. Um, because the thing just, he lost his shit in there. And he's like a paranormal dude. This guy's like, the name's Zach. I don't know. I'm not looking it up. It's whatever. Don't look it up. Don't watch the, the documentary. I probably won't because so I. So that night, the next night, and I'm a good sleeper, deep sleeper, the whole, whole thing, no issues. And it's winter. Yep. It's winter because I just started my new job. I just transferred to a new place. And I was telling them about it, I'm like, you guys are going to think I'm crazy. But, and all of a sudden, you know how like you when you're sleeping, your, your body can wake up and like alert you to fear or if you have to go to the bathroom or yeah. something, it could just naturally happen. So I'm laying down, obviously sleeping. And I feel this cold mass above me go from my left through the wall to my right. I bring up the wall for a reason. And oh, then,
0: how's your bedroom situated? Like, like is your bed against a, the wall? Against or... the wall. Okay. And, and that is an it, exterior wall or no? No. Yes. No.
1: It's not an exterior wall. Yes, it is. It is. Okay. So, and then it f- hovers, and it is at least 10 to 15 degrees colder than the rest of the room. And obviously, it's, it's winter, so it's a little cold, but it's not like 10 to 15. It's like 60 degrees, this thing must have been. And it hovered over me, and then I woke Like my the alarm senses went off being like, why am I freezing? And I woke up.
0: Woke me up. They talk about having those sorts of energy fields, or uh, if there's a spirit moving, how the air is noticeably cold. Frigid. Frigid cold. At least, yes. Now, I'm not an angelologist or ethanologist, but those things do exist. Right. And that's uh, an area of theology that I don't ever want to get involved with because it freaks me out, but it is super interesting. Yes, and then here's
1: the next night. So I start kind of looking into things. I still have a roserbeas in my grandmother's, and I put it by my bed. I get some salt because I thought that was a thing, or whatever. If it's exercised. Well, see, I'm learning things. And pretty much was like, I really hope this thing doesn't come back, because that was weird and yada yada. So I go to sleep. Again, normal sleeper, no issues like this or whatever. Same thing happens where I'm in a dead sleep. My brain is shut off the whole night. My arm is in the process of being lifted, and as I come to with that same feeling like something's happening, it's lifting, lifting up my head close to the wall. This is my left side. So I'm looking at it. And Wall's there. It's already lifting, and I'm not thinking, "Lift your arm." It's being lifted, and as I come to my arm, throws against the wall, throws against the wall, and I wake up, and I'm like, "What the fuck is going on?" And I'm, and I I check the time, like the two or three a.m. Yes, two two thirty, three somewhere in there. That hour, which I find out is
0: the witching hour
1: opposite of when christ Christ died so they they the duality and the coin thing yeah and that was like terrifying because i was conscious when my arm was being lifted i did not
0: tell my arm to fly into the wall because when you wake up at that with those sort of alert alarm going off the you're not waking up to like grogginess you're full-blooded like, awake, my blood's going, yes. I'm firing on all because the you're, and you're like, what the fuck's happening? It's, um, the fight or flight response.
1: Exactly. It's a, it was in, instinctual of just, I'm awake. I did not tell my arm to go into the wall. Something pulled me. To, I'm co- you're coming with me. Now, what the f- dude in the documentary said is that this is what happened to the guy, the producer guy holding the camera. is the, And he, he gives this disclaimer, is that this demon will... Come through the electronics is known to come through
0: electronics. I mean, fuck. You stumbled into something you shouldn't have. Yeah, and, and then the this next... guy
1: probably shouldn't have put it out to no. be viewed, but he the, did. The next night, it was like, okay, you exist. Yep, never gonna get another thing out of me. I'm not afraid of you. I was like talking to myself. I told my roommate about it. He was like, I'm like, dude, I'm not, I'm not joking around here. Um, I was like, I'm not afraid of you. But like, I respect. The, yeah, okay, I'll leave you. like. I, it I need it to was very on. much like, I'm not screwing with this. Do not come back. Like, do You're not watch it again. I don't want to mess with you. But I, there's no other explanation.
0: That's it was a very bizarre thing. Yeah. Which, have Alliance? you had anything like no. that happen since?
1: No. Okay. I mean, I got sages. I didn't use them because it was like, but I fe- like it, it was gone. But it was just like, a, what are you doing watching that video? And they t- tore down my house or whatever. I don't know.
0: It was a, I mean, things like that are enough to make you question and then say, okay, this is real. Now what? Well, the ironic thing
1: is, is that's the biggest proof that I have that like, oh, shit. Like, okay, maybe some of this this stuff is not bullshit. No, not at all. Where? So that's, that's my segue into kind of where I'm coming from other than being a cultural Catholic or a lapsed Catholic, I guess. Lapsed Catholic,
0: you, you made your confirmation. You're baptized Catholic, right? Yep. You made your first communion. Yep. You received confirmation. Yep. You stopped going to church. Yeah. Lapsed. So you're Catholic. Okay. So
1: you go into the seminary and you're like, I'm ready to be a priest.
0: So yeah, you go into that, uh, to that atmosphere thinking, okay, I'm ready. You're not ready. So going into seminary, uh, if you're going to be a priest in a parish, a regular diocesan priest will take you about eight years. If you're going to be a priest in a religious order, it's gonna take you about 10 to 12 years depending on where you're at and where you're going. And each step of the way, you're being evaluated and you are evaluating uh, where you're at. So people are looking at you and they're judging you against uh, four areas. So personal, spiritual, communal, and uh, educational. Like, do you have the mental acuity to deal with this? Um the personal, are you growing as a person, the communal are you fitting in well to this community and are you assimilating? Are you bringing like good things to the table? or are you being a force of divisiveness? Um, constantly? Not constantly. So it typically would happen like once a quarter. like you would have a quarterly review yeah, a quarterly mm-hmm. review. But then, but
1: what is it like to live a life like that? Very freeing, to a certain extent, but also at other times. Because well, be. essentially, you're just evaluating Your whole life exists on four
0: criteria. Yeah, that's not. But your life is very regimented. There's going to be no curveballs. You know what's coming. That's fair. Okay. You you know you don't have to worry about paycheck. You're not worrying about where your next meal is coming from. You're not worrying about housing. You're not worrying about relationships. You're not worrying about anything else. You're waking up and you're starting your day with prayer and meditation. You're starting your day with mass. You're starting your day with breakfast. And then you're going to school. So it's essentially the most freeing prison you would be a part of. Yes. You can look at it both ways. You can look at it from both sides of that prison. Right? It's it's both. It's both. Yeah. There were a few instances when I was there that, uh, uh put a bad taste in my mouth because I wanted to go somewhere but couldn't because I had to ask for permission. You know, things like that. Like, hey, I want to go have dinner with my mother. She's in town. Well, we want you to be home uh, in the community for dinner. So no, you can't go have dinner with your mother. Things like that, that were
1: not great for me. So something that, like Minahan would say, would be, this was established thousands of years ago. And that makes it okay. And if Scientology or Mormonism did that, it's a cult.
0: What do you well, say all on that? things by its definition are cult, right? Yeah, but. Like, because I'm not going to let you just pigeonhole the religion wholesale as you know being a crazy cult. And I, and I don't think it is. No, at all. But, like, what's the. I guess the question then becomes what's the line? So the line. It, uh, is, um, do you feel that this is a fit for you, yes or no? And then the other side is looking at it, is this a fit for us? Yeah. So if something is crossing a boundary for you, and you're saying that this is not okay, you're free to leave. Are you, though? Yeah, that's what I did. I left.
1: Well, no, 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 we'll get to that. We'll get to that. I'm just more in, in general. Like, are you free to
0: leave, or is it implied? It's implied. Like, what's the... There is a, a genuine freedom, the but there's also... Um, yeah, well,
1: the going clear, in Scientology, and I'm, again, I'm not equating the two, just more of a thought exercise of not having to talk to someone who used to be a priest, or almost as a priest. The prison of belief is, the way that they described it, is both a like sunk cost, I'm already in it three years, or I'm already in it four years. I've already, do- for from yeah. the I mean, I've already donated enough money, or in this sense,
0: already donated enough time. Right. So at the time, uh, when I s- took my exit from seminary, I had invested a third of my life. I was thirty years old when I. So left. how do you make that decision? So I looked at it from uh, a standpoint of. What do I want? And what I wanted uh, in the long run was to have a wife and to have a family. What I ended up doing, shooting myself in the foot in the beginning, was telling myself and essentially making a deal with myself that I was not going to leave until they told me that, hey, this isn't for you. And they kept saying, nope, you're good. Move on, move on. I hit my speed bumps from time to time. Um, But then when I was staring down the barrel of making vows in perpetuity for forever, I said uh, no, I can't do that in good conscience. So if you didn't make that deal with yourself, did you have lasted that long? I don't think so. Because I was waiting for them to tell me this isn't for you. I was waiting for them to fail me. Does that mess with you? No. I don't don't think it messes with me. Um, There are you know, are obvious uh, sorts of hang-ups to the extent where I, you know, still work for the church currently, um, but I'm not studying to be a priest. I come home to my wife and to my dog, um, and I'm not bound to live a communal life that's, um, requires uh, giving up of freedoms. What is that like? Coming home to a wife? No.
1: Well, I (laughs) need to ask about that, I guess.
0: Living a communal life? With guys
1: who are doing the same thing? Going from still working, like just from an organizational perspective, and I'll I'll leave the the cult analogy alone. But you, it would be kind of like, you know, working for the CIA and then to become a special agent and then going into, like, administrator? Like, you, are you a former priest? Are you no, a,
0: I was never ordained a priest. Well, are you
1: a quitter? No. Do they, like, how, do they, how does that, how, in the priest community, how
0: would they perceive you? Uh, as an ex-seminarian, somebody who was studying to be uh, one of them, who never made it to be one of them, but is still around. And how's that from a respect standpoint? Um, I'm treated with a lot of respect uh, from the community, um, but also am tasked with a lot of things that the priests don't necessarily have time for or would want not want to do. Um, but, you know, treated with... Was it an adjustment respect? period? Yeah, it definitely was an adjustment period. There was... Um, I was going from... When I left my post, I was with the Salesians for 10 years, and I was, uh, I was a religious brother. So I was Brother Adam. And then I went from being Brother Adam to just being Adam. And uh, that was an adjustment, because I was a brother for six years. Um, and, you know, my entire focus in life shifted because I was moving out from that realm of studying to be a priest and being a brother to uh, now, okay, I've got to find a wife, and that sort of became my singular focus, was trying to find a wife. So I took that measure of what I, I knew I wanted and applied it to everybody that I was dating. Do I want this person to be my life partner? Do I want this person to be my wife? Can I see this going the distance? And uh, before her, I dated one other girl seriously. Uh, her being my wife, Betty, um, and that lasted for like seven or eight months, and then uh, it didn't didn't go anywhere. She went on vacation. Uh, she went on a work trip. She invited me to go with her and I said I couldn't go because it was uh, a busy time for work, being First Communion time. <laughs> with my current job, I couldn't leave during First Communions. Uh, so when she was gone, she said, I didn't miss you. And I feel like you know, it's, this isn't gonna go anywhere, so I'm gonna, gonna end it with you. I said, okay. And this was like a month before uh, my birthday and, uh, we were at a assembly row in Somerville, uh, met for drinks where she broke up with me and I said, I'm kind of hungry. Do you want to have dinner? Like I invited her for dinner right after. And I asked her about her trip to Amsterdam. Uh, but like th- th- that's, that's,
1: that's why I wanted to do this when we talked about it. Right. And that's the question I wanted to ask because you know, I think you're self-aware enough to know that's not normal. So I think it's more normal than people think. That's abnormal. That's not. So, that's, that's, not so hold on. that's not normal. That's not normal. So that's not normal. Like, if you polled a hundred people, and it's not weird, it's just not normal, and that's okay. that's the interesting thing. All right. so, so it's not fair. coming from it. It's it's it's, and I think it's a fascinating point because most people wouldn't think like that. Because there's like emotionally invested, I guess, and or insecure or whatever, and it's like you just you know broke up with me, you're dead, you're dead to me, I hate you, whatever. Where your attitude was just like, do you just want to have dinner?
0: Yeah. So the way that I approached it was, uh, okay, this isn't working out. We're both looking for what's going to be mutually beneficial for either of us and we can still be friends but let's have dinner and tell me about your trip to Amsterdam because I was genuinely curious I, I cared for her and I didn't have any animosity yeah but you her. know that that's different right yeah I, that that yes I know that that's different when you said like the not normal part I thought you were talking about the amount of ex-seminarians in the world and how they relate to other people Oh no. Right. So when I realized you were talking about something completely different, I Right. I because what jettisoned my objections. Do you still think like that? To a certain extent. Like uh, I don't and I
1: that was a a vague question. Just in the context of like, alright, so you dedicate your life ten years and then it's over and I told you this when we FaceTimed on this weekend my biggest thing when I was supposed to quit drinking was how do you just how do I just stop I mean I've been living this way doing this this is like a core part of my identity for a decade how old are you 29 29 I stopped 26 yeah so, like, 15, 16 to 10 years. And it was a constant battle because I think where I, where I can relate is, like, like, I could ask, like, how do you just quit? Or when did you decide? And my assumption would be you don't just decide. It's, like, a slow burn. Yeah. And there's not one thing that maybe flips it or whatever. Or so so is there?
0: part of... Uh, that quarterly review process that uh, we were talking about a few minutes ago, like that those uh, assessments go to the superior and the superior sits down and talks with you and you have a conversation about them and you ask like where are things going, How like it's a litmus test to see like what direction are you moving in. So do you think that that comes into why you were able to
1: handle... Reject the face of rejection the biggest calmly and coolly and then say let's get dinner. Yeah Because you've been kind of yeah for now does that impact is that Instinct was to say weird, but is that strange? Being in that environment and then interacting with
0: other people that don't haven't had that so certainly uh, it's different because I could tell that she was caught off guard by the invitation to dinner because she was expecting me to be upset, pay my bill, and leave. And she really didn't care. And she was like, oh, oh okay, yeah, I'll tell you about the thing. But she was like, visibly, like, um, this is off. Like, right. not, not normal. Um, but, like, I tried to bring all of my interactions. Uh, I try to approach them from my viewpoint as, like you said um, earlier, like the duality. Like you saw evil, you know evil exists. So I've seen the good, and I know good exists. And if I know good exists, good being God, and he's created these people who are in my life, I try to encounter each one of those people as an opportunity to... Meet God. Sometimes it bites your hand and they spit in your face, and other times it's a genuinely good encounter. Other times you've got to be Jesus in the marketplace and flip tables uh, on the temple grounds. Like it, all of it can be everything all at once. Like they can be crap situations and good situations, but it's your viewpoint. On life that's going to dictate how you're handling those situations what was the adjustment period like Um, so when I left when I entered in 2007 um, dating apps didn't exist I had heard about dating apps I had never encountered dating apps Uh, and then when I left I didn't know what I was supposed to do on dating apps I didn't know what etiquette was so I immediately downloaded Bumble because I knew from my research that the girl had to make the first uh, outreach, and I was a chicken shit. First, first move. The first move, okay. Yeah. Uh, and I was a chicken shit, so I was like, I'm all about that. I'm all in on Bumble. I paid for subscriptions to Bumble so that I could see who had liked me right, yep. in the whole nine yards. Uh, I ended up getting in on a class action lawsuit where I got like 40 bucks back so I got a wife and $40 for it so I felt like I I've wanted life Quote um, it that 30, <laughs> 35 minutes that's and 50 seconds that's a fucking line <laughs>
1: Jesus see that's why I don't, you just don't make sense to me because you're you're the most self-aware unself-aware through no fault of your own person
0: of all time so I make Rich Kelleher's mind tingle a little bit. Because you don't know what to make of me. Well, I, I, I just can't figure it out. Because it's, it, it's, it's just, it, you've never encountered somebody like me before. Yeah, pretty much. Somebody who um, can be real, like, knows their own faults and things that they're good at and things that they suck at, but also somebody who is a devoted Catholic and son of the church who even after leaving them still decides to work for them and all that that encounters. Yeah. Because you're going to you you're gonna leave your significant well, other. You're just
1: like a... Well, I mean, I can say it. You're like a freak in that way, though. You're
0: like a weird... Like a, in, in a good way. We're both freaks of nature because well, we're both mutants. see, oh, fuck off. We're both but, but, gingers. But that's true too.
1: But, like, how do you just come, like, so you don't know, like, dating apps? Like, I'm sure we could go, like, 07 and you, you get out of the pen in
0: 2017. <laughs> Missed a lot. <laughs>
1: prison analogy we can go cult analogy what else can I go
0: so you missed you missed 10 years I missed 10 years of my life but I did gain a great wealth of yeah yeah yeah, stuff. yeah I got
1: it and I missed 10 years of my life like drinking drinking thrift, you got. a degenerate okay so there were things that I'm like oh like we don't do that anymore rich like there was a like, the first six months you're just in a fog because everything is like new or everything's different and you're out of your comfort zone so, like, I, I I get that. What What was it? All right, so you didn't know dating. What's another thing that was just, um, like, fish out of water? Like, I don't get it.
0: Finances. Things were always taken care of for me. Like, you didn't have an income. You didn't have expenditures. And then now you've got to pay rent. You've got to pay bills. You've got to like pay a car note. You've got to pay a cell phone bill. You've got to do all these things so uh, but that's then, a whole nother you
1: can admit like that's weird right
0: yeah okay yeah because who what 30 year old is just coming essentially out of their mother's basement into the world and saying, okay you go live in boston one of the most expensive markets to live in in to the you country want, do you want me to answer that question go for it
1: well it's either prisoners or people that were in a cult. Yes. And, I, and I don't, I'm not equating cult to what right. you went through, but, like, those are the two. You, know. you have more in common with a prisoner or an ex-con that's out in the real world or, like, someone who just left Scientology for, like, 10 years, like, Leah Remini. Yes. And I mean that in the human sense, not that you were in one again, I'll say it right. again. Right, you're not, you're not the, saying it in a derogatory the way. The human sense of, like that was all taken care of for me and you know again well intentioned and i'm very happy exorcist exists because i was visited by a fucking demon like i'm all for it now i get it like all right cool like i'm i'm in it
0: did you have a point where you wanted to go back so my plan was after i had left uh after I had left the seminary I said if dating doesn't work for me in three years I'm going to go back yeah but what about you no but like you 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 as a person you as a person that was just what I told myself because it was what I knew it was the same thing you told yourself as well of right and then I left and it worked out where I found the love of my life she's lovely by the way thank you um you know How'd you guys meet? Bumble.
1: When you had to tell her, like... You
0: know, that I, I was very upfront with her. Uh, our first date was at a coffee shop around the block from here. And we sat and talked for three hours. Did you know that? I didn't know then. I had a pretty good idea that this one was different than all the other girls that I had seen. And
1: for the record, this is me asking, my like, questions as a 29-year-old that's very single with no prospects.
0: Yeah. So, well, when we were trying to figure out if you were going to come here for dinner, she's like, is he single? Does he have to, like, go home to a partner to have dinner with and then come hang out with you? Like, what are we, like, what are we dealing with here? I said, I actually don't know if he's single or not. I have no idea. Or if he's taken or I have... No idea. So she was looking out for you to see if you needed somewhere to eat. Well, oh, she's awesome, um, but no, I uh, had that conversation with her and told her up front. People like I put it in my dating profile that I was a former seminarian, and people told me get that out. People are uh, hard pressed to say I oh, want nothing to do with that, and I was like, but it's who I am. Like I right, you can't, you can't, I can't, can't divorce you know that. that from no. from myself. Right? This is part of who I am and part of how I view the world is through this lens. Um, it's, you know, it was a great uh, 10 years and um, it's something that's going to be a part of me for forever.
1: But on that same token, all the questions that I've just peppered you with that I went through, people are really weird when you make a change. And I'll, I'll equate that to. Like oh you don't drink anymore and my joke will always be like my jersey's up in the rafters I retired yeah which is like kind of my defense mechanism of saying like I did it I did it I lived it I'm done right like, I don't, you don't want to do it anymore
0: and we all have those sorts of um, opportunities to make those big changes But uh, we also have to live with how are people going to interact with this huge change that I'm making. Right. Which... um,
1: That takes a little while.
0: It does. So almost four years ago to the day, I penned a note that I pinned onto my social medias that said, Dear friends, please pray for me as I continue my pilgrimage of life, striving for sanctity. Over the past year, I've been discerning with my superiors and spiritual directors about continuing in religious life. The discernment has led me to decide not to apply to renew my profession with the Salesians of Don Bosco. I've had a great amount of love and respect for the Salesians and the mission that's entrusted to them. Pray for me as I begin the next stage of my life and pray for my continued discernment of God's will. Be assured of my prayers for each of you and please pray for me.
1: Do you like talking like that?
0: It's how I write. It's not the same way that I speak. So when I post something, it's very... Yeah, every, you know that sounds every like a word. crazy person, right? I don't, because... Right, oh, that's right. Okay. Okay. That, that's it. how I write. Like, every word means something and inflects a tone. So that's my pattern of writing. And I'm coming from a super um, proper environment and now entering into a Cat-us. regular environment, yep. right? Okay, I got it. So it's a little bit of both. I signed it as Adam when I was still brother Adam, like, ooh, that's... That's like a big deal. Not really, but it can be a big deal. Okay. I didn't download the various dating apps until my vows expired on August 16th when I left them uh, at the end of July. So, like, I was still here in Boston under vows, but I didn't download dating apps to try to meet people until after those vows had expired. So you meet Betty. I met her
1: and, yeah. and you, you were curious, it was different. See, going back to the poll 100 people or whatever, whatever that analogy was. I mean, you poll 100 people, you spend three hours in a coffee shop with someone on a first date. More often than
0: not, people are gonna be like, I think this is like, yeah. Like, I knew something was very different about her because there were other interactions that I had with people where uh, I met one woman on Hinge that wanted to jump my bones right away. Um, we. How did that, how did that go? Uh, we made out at Plymouth Rock. Okay. Um, like, I found out that she had. Uh, her husband divorced her and left her for a man. Uh, so she was looking to settle down with somebody right away and have kids. And I was like, pump the brakes. Like, you're moving way too fast for me. Right. And that I probably wasn't about you either. Right. It was not about me. And I, I had to get out of that situation. There was another girl that I... See,
1: but, like, you spend 10 years in seminary and then you're dealing with that. I'd be like, hey, can I change this? Like, yeah. let, me, let me come back.
0: But I had in my mind that I wanted to find a wife and to start a family and I knew if I've already waited these 10 years plus the high school years from when I hit puberty so we're looking at 14, 15 years I've already waited this long what's oh, and I, what's I the worst thing about I, waiting I was even
1: coming at it from, from oh I from, thought from you were going no, 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 to no. sexual no 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 I was just more of um, the being in, being in that environment and then dealing with you know Betty Crocker here ready to you know start cooking like uh, like, can you really like so, like when when people would meet, they'll be like, w- "Why don't you drink anymore?" And so, sometimes I'm feeling kind of spicy on it, I'm like, "I'm an alcoholic." Like, any more questions? Like, what do you what do you got? Do you want to get real? Yeah, like, do you, do you want to do this in the bar where I'm having fun and everything and like all your like?
0: I'm gonna make you feel like a little little insignificant ant right now. What's
1: in that? And I'm like, soda water, pineapple juice. What else is in that? And I'm like, N- nothing. Oh, do you like mix it in-betweens? And I'm like, n- no. Like do you wanna get the like what more do we What's your question? What are we doing here? So But like I mean this is this is kind of like the 40-year-old version. When when he meets what's her name? Is Ooh. it true? If you don't use it, you lose it. Get out Bag like, <laughs> bag <that, that laughs> of sand. And so
0: like for the record, it does not feel like a bag of sand. <laughs> That's all you priest, but I'm sorry, I can't. I, can't. Well, I mean, even when I was there, I had a good time. So uh, one of my assignments when I was there was at a high school in Marrero, Louisiana, Archbishop Shaw, uh, when I was a brother. And the one of the guys that I was there with, uh, they were throwing me a going-away party before I moved to Jerusalem to continue my studies. And... Uh, we went on a drinking tour of Bourbon Street, and at one point we were in civilian clothes. We were not dressed in clerics or anything. We weren't wearing Roman collars. Even down in Bourbon Street, they would have thought you were like some bachelor party. Yeah. Guys. Um, but I won third place in a ash shaking contest on Bourbon Street, so that was fun. I won a shot. And I was going up with like D1 athletes and other guys, but I got third place out of the guys. So I was like, alright, I can, I can deal with you know, life, and have fun, and uh, deal with hangovers like the best of them, but... uh, So it's like the most sheltered, unsheltered environment at the same time. It can be, it's how you
1: make, you know... It's like like anything, I got you. Yeah.
0: Because you can live life within the bounds, but stepping on the boundaries, right? Yeah. I'll give you that.
1: Okay, now post
0: getting married, you guys hit it off, when would you get married? We got married February 29th, 2020. We threw a hell of a going away party before the whole world shut down due to COVID. (laughs) Because we were literally the last thing that people went to before the world shut down. And we were on our honeymoon on a cruise ship in the Caribbean when we were getting notifications like the NBA has stopped play, the NHL has stopped play they postponed spring training. And we were like, what the hell's going on? Like, we knew COVID was a thing. But it wasn't, We was did like know so flu, it was like whatever. Yeah, it was like, okay, it's happening on the other side of the world. Right. Um, How'd you get home? Uh, we flew on a plane. There were no mask mandates yet. Yeah. We, uh, so February 29th, we delayed the honeymoon for a week. Uh, so we didn't go that first week we went the second week of March 2020 and we left out of Tampa and went to Mexico, Honduras and Belize and... So you did your first year of marriage in quarantine? In quarantine. That's weird. It was weird but kind of awesome. Yeah, it's both. Yeah, it was both. Well, We had a roommate but also the roommate spent a lot of time with her boyfriend in Atlanta so we were like, well, I was gonna say you either. I feel like there was a lot of couples that like make it make it or break it in yeah. that point. Yeah. So we were fine. Like we, great communicators. Like, um. We. Well, because
1: you you sought out what what I wanted. You wanted. You were unrelenting, and found it. I mean that's.
0: It's as sure as sign as any, right? Exactly. When we had what, six month honeymoon, you know, uh, we like the world shut down. Very nice. Very nice. Uh, you know, um, we we learned that we worked well together and we could respond to adversity together.
1: Hmm.
0: So I was like, all right, this this is gonna work. Okay. Uh, now, how'd you get into car? So, when I first moved here, I was wanting to get into, find something. I said, old working men listen to talk radio in the morning. I'm an old man. I work. I have to drive. I should listen to something. I wasn't real big into podcasts or anything, so I remember listening to WEEI in Providence when I was younger, so I put on EEI here in Boston. And the first thing that I hear is Kirk and Jerry Callahan um, just fighting about something. I I don't remember. But I was like, this is different. I like this. It's spicy. And I've never heard any radio like this before. It's not contrived. And when it is contrived, you've got somebody who's busting the balls of everybody else uh, just going after it. So I started listening to Kirk. And it was shortly thereafter that um, they both found themselves being suspended and uh, getting kicked out of EEI, and he was on hiatus, and I said, well, what the fuck am I going to listen to now? And that's, he went to, uh, uh, what was he at Barstool, like, right away after radio.com that? He the, went to Radio.com, the thing. and then he was at Barstool, and I was like, I've landed at stool. I'm now a stoolie, I'll die a stoolie. Like, I just wherever he goes, I'm gonna follow him because he he captured me at that day one of listening to him. Because I have to drive from uh, Dorchester Lower Mills to Somerville, which is 12 miles, and it in the morning takes you about an hour to do it. Yeah. Okay. Well,
1: post that in in the bar stool. What was your impression of me?
0: So your initial uh, impression, I interacted with some tweet that you... How about on the show? Uh, I found you to be a bit of an antagonizer. Like you were just there to press buttons. You obviously didn't give a shit how it landed, but you wanted to push buttons to see how far you could take it without losing your head. Icarus. Yes. You ended up losing your head in the Kirk Minahan world to Kirk, but you're very much uh, a button pusher to this day uh, with all the other people who follow Kirk. Why is that? People are triggered by you. They don't...
1: I have my theory, but...
0: I would think it more of being... You're a lot like Kirk, and Kirk doesn't like that. Hates it. Hates it. It's like... um a family member who takes after a mother or grandmother or father or grandfather and they refuse to accept it and you're just like that person and you get pushed out like the redheaded stepchild that you are and for better or for worse you're you're a lot like kirk you're a polarizing figure people will either love you or they'll hate you and there's no in between
1: well, the best thing is that then he'll be able to be like, I'm just, I'm just doing it. you know. Yeah. He plays, he plays that, which is fucking beautiful.
0: He's the smartest man in the show.
1: No question. No question. And I, I don't know. I don't still think I'm polarizing, but it, it Not so much anymore. But can.
0: But even like this, uh, not this past week, but the week before, uh, when you were on uh, the Kirk and Off podcast, like, they were able to make part of an episode about you and your uh, your appearance on that podcast when there was nothing going on in the miniverse, so to speak.
1: I mean, I, I, I intentionally went in there to be like, all right, I don't have a shtick anymore. And the one thing I, I don't blame, I probably would say it too, but like, that sounds, whatever, whatever Mike said, that sounds like someone who's crazy. That's not trying It's like no. Yeah, that's that's just me. I'm just more entertaining than you are. Like, I'm sorry. Like, I apologize. I I can do that. But I try to be as vanilla in the context of not making drama. And by doing that, it was almost like he knew that and was going to make it drama for drama's sake. To create content. Yes. He was using your content to create content for himself. Which is, it still baffles me that I'm just a fucking nobody. Like, I'm literally just a nobody. That just. But you fly close enough to the sun, you're gonna get burned. No question. And I'm aware of that. But it was almost, it's like a weird unspoken like dance. Not, not, and then, you know, he could not listen to this, but he could do the, you're making it so much better. No, but like, you told me, or you said to everyone that you don't remember the thing. You clearly listened to the whole episode. You heard me talk about it. You're still gonna play the amnesia card, but you can rattle off who who won the US Open in 1974. Like, sick, okay. And then you're still gonna say it was like, oh, you told them that you weren't gonna be controversial, you don't wanna piss off Kirk like DEC tried to do intentionally. still gonna find a way because you just challenged me and that is when
0: and that's why you're a lot like Kirk and he will never admit to it
1: that's the most incredible part where I was like you're like I was sitting in my on like watching listening to it I was like fucking genius ideas like someone was like did like some the dummy on there asked me like which idea and I'm like dude there's not like an
0: idea it's like concept it's like a right. you can talk about conceptual things that aren't ideas for content which it's ideas calling and using that's your idea I'm like dude
1: that's not how that's not like no, what it's I like,
0: how can we grow this brand which you, it happens organically uh, when we were talking a little bit pre-show you talked about the sort of recycling effect that Kirk has on people because I gave my uh, opinion that uh, Kirk gives off the air that he doesn't give a shit about the fans, but it's the fans who make Kirk who he is because he entertains them. And the reason why he can do that is because the
1: fans give a shit about him. Yeah. So that's why it's entertaining and different what captured you to a it. fuck it, fuck, it. fuck, it. Burn, full. burn the whole fucking thing down. Fuck, it. Hate everyone. fuck, 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 fuck. Everything sucks. I hate the fans. I hate everybody. It's like uh, the gladiator, Maximus. Are you not entertained? He pretty much spat on them and said, are you not entertained? Like I just cut everyone up and they ate it up and they loved it. Like, why are you clapping? Like you savages that like, you're here to watch me kill people. I just did it. And you're like this shocked and appalled. Are you not entertained? It's the most brilliant moment in cinematic his- history. Like just looking around and then he then he spits and they, they go insane. And he's like, these people are nuts. Like, what do you want? You wanted violence, you got it. And now you're like shocked and appalled. And then you're even more shocked. I threw the sword up like. So he can do that, and that's the thing that is most capturing, I think, of, like, I'll burn the whole fucking thing down just because I can.
0: And rebuild it. Yeah. Rebuild it any which way. So, and he calls himself Podcast Jesus, and it's probably because he can burn it down and then rebuild it in three days. Just, just to stay on brand with a Catholic. Just, just because he can. Just because he can. Just because.
1: That's the only other reason. And it's it's the, when I think about, like, it must be a weird existence to be, like. Because he's also incredibly self-aware. He knows everything. Right. And that's when he got all mad at me, the time that I leaked out the, I had someone, I would have people DM me and be like, hey, like, I live five minutes from Murchison. What do you need and I'm like, I'm good. Like, no, nothing. Just keep an eye out for the killer I got your back and I'm like okay this is getting a little like when they um, went after that school oh yeah whatever that school was I had a kid on the inside like feeding me Intel and he and he's like made some sort of comment about like can I get some stickers I'm like well I'm not really sure how it's gonna work like you're like 16 She's like yeah I know well, and And, like, I almost brought up, like, we can do a dead drop. Like, I'll put it outside of a, and I'm like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Like, this is so bizarre. But, like, for him, like, he gets calls, and it's like, whoa, my marriage
0: or this. And it's like, I don't fucking know, dude. Like, but it's a weird, to this day, the most bizarre call I heard was the guy with the ice cream and the kid being in the room. Some guy called and was like, eat the whole carton. Kirk's just telling him to eat the whole carton. And the guy's like, okay. He's like, is that your son in the background? Watch him. Watch him eat the whole carton. Or whatever it was. And it was just like bizarre. But the whole idea of um, people interacting with this one figure, Kirk Minahan, and having such a huge impact and ripple effect and creating friendships, creating enemies in creating apathetic people who just listen to listen, which I find myself being more in the camp of. Um, I've made friends uh, in the Minifans and in the Miniverse. I, I still don't understand the whole Mintel, Intel, Minifan thing. Um, but like being able to, to have those interactions and creating friends has been what I think has the, been the best part outside of uh uh for my entertainment life outside of seminary, this has been the best part of it um you know cause obviously excluding my wife and uh our child and to be born in November and the dog like this is the most entertaining piece it consumes uh my life being in Twitter and seeing what's going on in the world and uh what's your
1: take on Robinson?
0: So, Robinson, he, probably, he has no idea who I am, but I didn't like him because I remember the first time that I uh, called in, it was when they had that uh, sponsor for a hot second, it was for like the sperm analysis, uh, sponsor I was there for like a week or two weeks and I called in to say that I had just gone to uh, have a sperm analysis done because my wife and I were trying to have a baby. And uh, they asked if I had used the uh, sponsor, and I said no, and I got (laughs) aborted. So that was the first of, like, my five times being aborted on the show.
1: (laughs) The irony is just...
0: (laughs) So for those of you who don't know, there was an ex-producer on the Kirk Minahan show named Steve Robinson. And when he didn't like a caller, uh, he would abort them. So he concocted this sound. (laughs) Yeah, with a suction sound, a snip, and a cry. Uh, it was very graphic. Um, and I've received that hang-up call no less than five times. And ever since the first time that uh, Steve Robinson uh, hung up on me... Stay, aboard. stay aboard. He, The first stay time up. that he aborted me, I just... <laughs> I had no love for, for him. And uh, so... Dave Cullinane. I when I started listening to Kirk on Barstool, Steve was off in Italy, and Dave was the producer for like the three week interregnum. He should have stayed. He should have stayed
1: the whole time.
0: I was very, very happy with Dave in the beginning, and then when Steve came in, I was like, there's a dark cloud over this, and it's just not as fun. And I know that, uh, Kirk likes to yell at people, and I enjoy right now when Kirk yells at Dave, and Dave tells him to fuck off. He gets it. Yeah. Steve
1: took it personally. Or like the uh, the like the merch thing. Like, Don't do it. Well, he just didn't.
0: They but they ripped off your sticker. It's now part of their their like selling. Bar made that decision. Yeah.
1: Like, which is baffling. That you me. had that, that sort of an only, impact. That was the only point. The point was. Hey, start selling more things. Like the fans
0: are buying it. Like, do it. Do it. They'll buy it. I I hate their their merch now. The logo that they have on the merch, I don't like it. I think it's too blah. It's but blah,
1: but it's like the it's a it's it's a higher e- echelon. It's cullen. Yeah, that's going in through and
0: through. I was like, oh, okay, I get it. You got more stuff. It's nice, it's like but not gritty. No thanks. Like, it's not I but, like the tacky shit like the uh, one of the things that you tweeted from Socko last year and Dave Portnoy tweeted and it sort of became a semi-infamous picture it, was a it became a meme it became a meme the, well the
1: meme is the Minifans are all these tough people and everything but then we're also you know, fat slobs you go to you go to an event <laughs> and you look around and you're like eh.
0: The tough keyboard warriors, right? Pushing Which two is, to three hundred pounds, I mean, you know, I mean, on average, and uh, old middle-aged guys. So there were three of us in a line wearing a and I was I was yellow orange shirt that said King of the Crazies and it had Kirk's mug on it, wearing a crown. And I was
1: relentless on that. Brandon Walker used it. Yes.
0: Yeah. I think that's where. That's why I had you muted because you were coming at me.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't about. But like, I remember some idiot being like, "Why are you doing that?" And I'm like, "Excuse me, like, you, your account specifically goes after me all the time. Don't show your like. What are we doing here? Right. So that's the elevated. Everyone wants to be elevated and be part of it until they're part of it. And once they're part of it, it's like, oh fuck, this sucks. Yeah. That's why I
0: had a parody account for a hot minute.
1: I had a parody account for a week and I was a monster. Who were you? No, I just like changed my hand. It was, it was oh. more like a joke. Okay, like, and I that, legit made a different... It's not healthy. You can't be anonymous like that. You lose, you just You lose yourself. If you're given Twitter and, and Dorsey, and their idea was we can connect people and everything. And I don't think they understood the concept of you can give anyone the ability to say anything about anything to anyone. That's not healthy. And the implications of that from a societal level is shocking.
0: Yeah. Myself and one of my buddies, uh, we had accounts, and then when somebody was, I think it was, somebody was going on a, uh, Clearinghouse of doxing people like maybe six months ago, or five months ago. I forget who it was sneakers or whoever, whomever. And I was like, I'm just deleting uh, this. I'm out. I want no part so of wait,
1: this. Wait, well, before we before we started recording, you said that you had two buddies that are Minifans, and you told them that I was coming. What did they say?
0: Um, like, Good luck. One was surprised and was like, Oh, okay. Have fun. Good luck. Let me know how it goes. And then one was. Uh, said something along the lines of uh, make sure he doesn't cut up your body into pieces
1: (laughs) I've had people
0: I was like I'm sure I'll be fine
1: a president of some company just sent me a message on LinkedIn it was like hey you're not the rich Keller Keller. are you and my response because like once I know that like I'm like okay clearly they're in I'm like if you have to ask dot 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 and he was like well played all right, huge, f- or whatever. And I'm like, okay. Thanks. That's sick. And that's the concept of parasocial relationships, um, which is another unique phenomenon that's become, it was like mainstream in like the thirties. Like it was invented, but didn't resurge until recently with like influencers or social media and everything. Which still boggles my mind that influencers exist. Well, it's just all, it's all, how do we monetize this? Yeah. And that's like actually the reason why I wanted to talk to you because I have a, as I said to you on text, I think, it's like you're five to six years late on this. This is a passion project. Make it a passion project, but you're never going to do anything with it. No. And it's just, a, and that's not by no fault of your own. That's the market. Everyone has an effing podcast now. Like, how are you going to be different? How are you going to stand out? Yeah, this is How for much me. time is going to be? This is for fun. As long as it stays. And that was my thing of like, keep it fun and just do it for you. But, like, the, like, important. I said all the time, you can't make another bar, so We hit at the exact perfect moment. It would be like Rogan. Rogan did the podcast. He did, look back at the episodes in 2000, fucking, like, four. Three. Yeah, he just started it just screwing around with buddies or whatever. And he made the UFC at the right time. Like, he's hit things at Every the right thing. time. It's like not a genius by any means. He's obviously brilliant and, and smart and stuff, but, like, this is like the, the internet age is almost over in the sense of like importance. You yeah. see like cancel culture is already being like, they have tweets from like 2000, who cares? Like no one cares anymore. No one's like, oh my God, look at those tweets. But
0: now that TikTok star Addison Rae's essentially been canceled because she went up and introduced herself. And people, to are wrong. people are like, you know what? Doesn't it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's not real. None of this
1: is real. But the parasocial thing is interesting from like Kirk as well. Where it's defined as a group of people that feel like they know someone so well and the other person doesn't know they exist. And you can look at that from like influencers, you could look at that as uh celebrity type stuff, or like if a celebrity does something that's outside of your norms or values, you get outraged. Well, why? That's
0: their part, like they're just human being or whatever. So, like, that goes back to, like, my psychology of things. Like, I don't view... Like, I don't get outraged when a celebrity says or does something. I'm like, all right, that's them. They're doing their thing, and it doesn't really have an inf- impact on me. I the, don't care. The outrage
1: comes from the parasocial, Whereas, like, I've devoted time on you. I've done this. I've done that. How dare you? And it's like that... It's like a fine line of... Like, what do you mean, how dare you? Like I, That's my opinion. Or like J.K. Rowling has taken a stance, a her her s- stance. Her new stance is like, you know what? I tried it. I did the whole woke thing. Here's my line, and I'm firm lines in this in in the um, like a firm line. I'm like, you know what? No, like I'm good. This is what I believe. Like I'm done. I have the money. I have everything. Like, oh,
0: she's got the fuck you money. She's
1: the fuck you. Yeah, she used to be like, oh, she donated so much money. She's no longer a billionaire. More. Now they hate her. Because she's not going along with... And they trust her. They've been reading her forever. Like, they, you used to be one of us, and now you're an other. You're um, yeah, like going back to Kirk, I think that must be a lot of pressure
0: to be like... Well, that's... I mean, I feel like that probably plays into his mental health stuff, and thankfully he has, has to. he has that mental awareness to know when it's getting bad and he has to step back from it and we all yearn for content while he's away but that's why I think these parody accounts and other it's
1: like literally away in a mental hospital and people are like when's the show coming like you know yeah. what like, like step back persp- yeah take, take a step back perspective on and that. there's
0: enough like uh, alt um, podcasts to listen to that cover the stuff that he's covered in the show and the personalities revolving around the show uh, to sort of get that little high that you need to take you until he comes back from his, uh, from his breaks. And when he needs to step away, I'm thankful that he has that awareness to do so because you know he's going to come back with a thousand percent. He's going to come back as the best Kirk that you can get. Ken just hates me. He does hate you, because you're just like him, and he doesn't like that. There can only be one Kirkman and you're like a Kirk Junior.
1: I say I never wanted to be. I think that's I think that's why people hate hate it. That's why people hate me.
0: What's there's a. People didn't want to know who I was until I wore the mask type thing, like uh, the Man in the Iron Mask or what was it? something. There was I'm a line... I'm
1: picking up where you're putting down.
0: Like, you didn't ask for it, you...
1: So this is exactly why it happened, and exactly why people still hate me for it. Yes. Because I did what they either wanted to or, could, or couldn't. Yep. There's enough callers. It's the same fucking...
0: St- Everybody bumbles over their words when they they're talking stink. to him. My... Even when I, I call up here, like, Fridays are my call day, because I don't work on Fridays, and I can sit up... In my home office. How long do you have to wait? Sometimes I go like 120 times hitting the redial, waiting to get through. And when I do, like this last time, uh, I was on hold for like 15 minutes before I could get through. Do you get nervous before? Yeah. I would get so so nervous
1: for my prank calls. So
0: it's not even a prank call. Like I call in to, like I try to have a general idea about what I'm going to talk about. But now that they've started the live stream, like I can see what Kirk's facial reactions are. I can see what he's doing and wearing. No, I do. Because I was... I forgot what the hell I was going to talk about. I was going to talk about... um, You're nothing without us. And we're nothing without you type of thing. Um, And parasocial. Yeah, the parasocial. And then uh, he was wearing the Yankees hat all last week for some reason. To trigger us or to copy Blind Mike. Whatever... When it was, we're not exactly sure because he didn't answer my question. But I was gonna tell him, you know what? I'm gonna be at Taco. I'm gonna wear flip-flops, and my feet are disgusting. So, put that in your pipe and smoke it.
1: Type of. See, but like you think that that's like a big sick burn, and
0: it's not. I know it's. He doesn't give a shit. He'll make it a big scene if he sees it, but he doesn't care. It's gonna have no impact on his life.
1: Does he not like flip-flops?
0: He hates feet.
1: Okay, of course.
0: He, some woman was wearing uh, sandals at Sockle last year, and he flipped out. <laughs> but again, it was all a show because he's the greatest entertainer. I, I know that you won't go to live shows or anything else because of the respect that you have for the ban or whatever that he's imposed on you. There's
1: just not a point. It would just, it would just be like you're making it about yourself. Where it's like, I don't want that. Like go. Like,
0: would you go with a friend who invited you to go? No. Not at all.
1: No. There's no reason for me to go.
0: To be social.
1: Yeah, but like, that's like the thing where.
0: If like, you go, not as. We can't. I know because but you, you flown too close to the sun and everything but like but, but I can't go back no you can't go back you're still a human you're not a demigod
1: no like I'm, I'm well aware like well aware of all that I would be so uncomfortable being there it would be very uncomfortable for me, like me personally. I'm not just going just for out of like I would be uncomfortable there because then it's like it's like a then weird... it becomes
0: about you yeah and you don't want that attention
1: yeah I'm like I'm good like I just, like, want to, besides, like, I don't think, like, the thought of going up to, like, a Madawaska, and I mean, like, all right, look, let's check out the talent, or, like, you know, we're good, and, like, for a live show, they like, sit there, like, I wouldn't go to Section 10, I listen to that all the time, I wouldn't go to the Kowloon to sit there, and be like, oh, look at them, watching them talk, like, I don't know, like, I'm,
0: i can listen to it the next day, I'll be fine. Like, I'm all right,
1: like, I'm, I'm good, so, like, the, the medium already isn't, like, good, and then... You got to, like, introduce and be like, a, hey, like, yeah, you well, you once called me, like, an asshole. Or, like, oh, my bad, dude. Like, I'm sorry. Like,
0: when I went last year, I met a few of the different parody accounts. Like, I met Breadline, Callahan, and...
1: Uh, I was like, punch him in the face. <laughs> like, I fucking hate you. Like, you're an asshole, dude. You just, like, I didn't me.
0: know anything at the time. Right. And I was like, oh, that's cool. I've seen your stuff. And I was like, that's, this is awesome. Like, I didn't know that parody accounts existed. And then, you know, after I left there, I was like, you know what, I'm going to create a parody account and that's when I put Clipdale together and I was Dale's binder clip. And then that morphed into uh, fat pride with Kirk's fat fuck and me. Right. It used to be that <laughs> and I sent uh, I sent Kirk the Christmas Kirk's, card. Kirk's fat fuck. <laughs> My wife would be like, what are you doing? I said, don't worry about this full, nothing. No, I'm tweeting. I'm tweeting. I'm tweeting. No, I'm tweeting. Are you on? Are you on that app
1: again? No, honey, I'm not. I've told. I deleted it. If I met you, I'm. I'm tweeting.
0: I'm Kirk's bad Fuck. Kirk's bad fuck. I was like, because everyone's like three syllables. You've got uh, Jason from Attleboro, Kevin from Bristol. You, everyone's like three. You be, you've got to be F KFF F for KFF. a wife. <laughs> what a weird world. So weird now. Like, That's it.
1: That's it. That's what we're going off on. From seminary to curse, fat,
0: fuck. My story. My story. That's it. That's it. That's it. Thank you for coming. And I just want to make note on the record that I'm happy to have you in studio and you not joining a podcast from your bed or couch with your shitty headphones. So thank you for coming uh, to my studio. Pleasure.